It's Wednesday, March 11th. Welcome to Skim This. We're breaking down the most complex stories of the day and giving you the context on why they matter. COVID-19 is now officially a pandemic, and companies are starting to tell employees to just stay home. But for many people, that's easier said than done. Then a New York judge just handed down a prison sentence for movie producer Harvey Weinstein. We'll tell you why this is a big deal and what it means more broadly when it comes to prosecuting sexual assault cases. We're here to make your evening smarter. Let's skim this. Today's episode is brought to you by New Aller Life. More life, less blah. There's a new three-letter word in town. W-F-H. More companies urging employees to work from home. Work from home. Work from home. Work from home. Employees told to work from home. As COVID-19, the disease caused by coronavirus, continues to spread around the U.S., some politicians, public health officials, and businesses are telling workers to pack up their laptops and those tiny succulents on your desk and turn studio apartments into studio offices. Google just asked all of its employees in North America to work from home for a month. And a number of other big companies are doing the same, or at least preparing people to WFH if COVID-19 gets worse. But how much will working from home actually help people? From a health perspective, this kind of social distancing can be helpful. We spent a while talking about social distancing on yesterday's show, but basically reducing the number of people you come into contact with on a daily basis can slow down the spread of a disease. That also ensures that hospitals don't get too crowded. On top of that, for people with steady income and good benefits, working from home might be a nice change of pace. Some business leaders even predict that if COVID-19 causes lots of Americans to work from home, many of them might never set foot in the office again. And employers might like this too, especially if they don't have to pay rent for a pricey office. But this rosy picture isn't a reality for everyone. That's because a lot of Americans can't work from home like restaurant servers and store clerks and caregivers. In a lot of those jobs, people compete for hours, and asking to take time off because you're worried about that nagging cough might make you look unreliable. If someone else fills in for you, it's possible you might not get your shift back. So you keep clocking in, even though it increases the risk that you might get sick and make other people sick too. That's the challenge facing a lot of gig workers right now. Think. Uber drivers, or a lot of the delivery people who drop off your Amazon packages. Technically, most are treated like contractors, not employees. Most also don't get health insurance through their employers or paid sick leave. So they have an incentive to keep working even if they're sick. One study of the H1N1 outbreak back in 2009 found that when sick employees kept showing up to work, they infected up to 7 million of their coworkers which worsened the outbreak nationwide. And now we could be facing a similar situation. The people who have the most risk of both exposure to and spread of the coronavirus are the very people who work in the kinds of jobs that, you know, really drive our economy, but also for which working from home is just not a realistic possibility. That's Julie Boatman. She's the director of job quality at the National Women's Law Center. And she hopes COVID-19 convinces Congress to expand paid sick leave to all Americans and to strengthen the unemployment insurance system. She says if COVID-19 leads to fewer people eating out or going shopping, it could be bad news for lots of workers, 
unless strong unemployment insurance is in place. It could be temporary. I mean, we all presume it will be temporary, but it could still be prolonged enough that folks who work in service sector positions lose their jobs, either because the lack of demand is such that their employers no longer feel the need to employ them, or because they get sick and they have no sick time and, and they have to stay home and, and they are terminated as a result. So what's the skim? A lot of people are talking about work from home as COVID-19 continues to spread. For some of us, the couch might be a great place to take a conference call. But for millions of Americans, work from home isn't an option, which isn't just a public health problem, but a serious financial problem. Members of Congress have been proposing legislation to try and address some of these problems, like the lack of universal paid sick leave in the US. But even during a health scare, Finding areas for bipartisan agreement could be tricky. For more on what you need to know about COVID-19, head on over to theskim.com slash COVID-19. Here come the allergy blahs. That dreary feeling you still get even once your allergy meds have relieved your symptoms. Enter Allerlife, a line of supplements that can help. Take Allerlife as part of your daily routine. Allerlife does not treat allergy symptoms such as runny nose, itchy eyes, or watery eyes. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. 23 years. That's how much prison time the disgraced Hollywood mogul Harvey Weinstein was sentenced to today after being convicted of third-degree rape and a first-degree criminal sexual act. You probably remember Weinstein for his role in the recent Me Too movement back in 2017. In all, at least 100 women accused him of sexual assault or harassment. Most of those allegations happened a while ago, too long ago to be taken to court. But prosecutors in New York were able to file six charges against Weinstein, largely based on the allegations of two women. Quick warning, the details of the charges against Weinstein might be hard to hear for some listeners. One woman was a production assistant, who said that Weinstein forced her to let him perform oral sex on her. That's the third-degree criminal sex act he was convicted of. The other woman was an aspiring actress, who said that Weinstein raped her in a hotel room in New York. He was charged with first- and third-degree rape, but was only convicted of third-degree rape. That means the jury believed they had sex without consent, but they didn't believe Weinstein used force. For these charges, he faced anywhere from 5 to 29 years in prison. A pretty wide range. And today, the judge overseeing the trial decided to go the heavier route and sentence Weinstein to 23 years in prison. Though, technically, the judge decided that Weinstein can serve as two sentences at the same time. Yes, this is a thing that can happen in the criminal justice system. So he'll only have to serve 20 years in prison. Then he'll have to register as a sex offender. The women who brought these charges got to speak during the sentencing hearing. One said her rape was preventable, adding, quote, I believe that if Harvey Weinstein was not convicted by this jury, it would happen again and again and again. Then Weinstein spoke for the first time in court. He said he had remorse, but he was also concerned. He said, quote, thousands of men are losing due process. I'm worried about this country. Here was one of his lawyers, Damon Chironis, outside the courthouse. He wasn't treated, he wasn't treated fairly at all. Let's just call it what it is. Not by the court, not by the jury. Not by a lot of you. That's what happened. 
But Gloria Allred, a lawyer for one of the accusers, said she thought Weinstein had gotten his due process during the trial. This sentence is long enough for him at least to begin to understand what he's done. Whether he will ever be truly sorry, I don't know. In the grand scheme of things, this sentencing is pretty steep. And it's a big deal because less than a quarter of sexual assaults are even reported, let alone lead to a conviction. So this case might encourage more victims to speak up. As for Weinstein, his legal team is still planning to appeal the case. And now they're gonna have to turn their attention to Los Angeles, where he's facing even more sexual assault charges. So Weinstein hasn't seen his last day in court just yet. Last night, Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders lost at least four states to former VP Joe Biden in the Democratic presidential primaries. But if you thought that was enough to convince him to drop out, he's got a message for you. On Sunday, I very much look forward to the debate in Arizona with my friend Joe Biden. Okay, so he's still in the race. But why did he have to hold a press conference this afternoon to tell us that? Last night's primaries went really well for Biden. He won more than eight out of every 10 votes in Mississippi and every single county in Michigan. That last one's got to hurt Sanders, considering that he poured lots of resources into trying to win there this year. After last night's defeats, commentators and pollsters started saying Sanders' chances at winning the nomination looked bleak. Some of that had to do with a delegate count. Sanders is now trailing Biden by around 150 delegates. And some of the important states next in line to vote, like Florida and Arizona, are places where Sanders is also trailing in the polls. But it also has to do with who turned out for Biden. He proved he could pull lots of different kinds of people into his camp last night, from women to African-Americans. As those numbers started coming in, the internet broke with headlines like, Bernie Sanders is all but done, and Biden takes command of the race. Cable news exploded with segments about where his campaign would go now. When will Senator Sanders concede and allow for the vice president to run against President Trump? If Sanders suffers a lopsided defeat in the next few hours, his path to the nomination will essentially disappear. That makes for a difficult road ahead for the Sanders campaign. And this afternoon, Sanders said, listen, I'm still in this thing. Although he did admit there would be some tough fights ahead. While our campaign has won the ideological debate, we are losing the debate over electability. He'll have a chance to show voters why he would be the best candidate to take on President Trump at the debate this Sunday. Another one. Another one. Yep, another one. But this one has a twist. The Democratic National Committee says there will be no live audience at this next debate because COVID-19. Guess that makes your couch as good as any front row seat. Before we go, we want to share a pro tip we heard on our other podcast, Skimmed from the Couch. Carly Kloss is one of the most famous supermodels in the world, but even she experiences imposter syndrome sometimes. Carly told our co-founders and co-CEOs, Carly and Danielle, how she turns her discomfort into a learning experience. I feel like I take advantage of being in the position to learn from the people around me. And, and I really challenge 
anyone out there listening to do that. I challenge you to speak up and to ask questions. That episode of Skimmed from the Couch is available now on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And that's all for Skim This. Thanks again for listening and be sure to hit subscribe and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. If you want to add the skim to your morning routine, sign up for our free newsletter, The Daily Skim, right on our website at theskim.com. It's everything you need to know to start your day right in your inbox. 